Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 10 tonight, and our text is uh, six, chapter 6, verses 10, and on through verse 19. Now, in your bulletin today, you had how to pray for our revival meeting, and we've had that in the bulletin now the last two or three weeks, and so that's very important because revival also calls for prayer. And so we have that on Wednesday nights. We put out that same prayer sheet in a larger form in your prayer sheet so that you have that. And so hopefully you've got that in your Bibles, you've got that in your bulletin, and you can follow along. I'm saying all that to say that I didn't pass out more copies tonight because we've been passing these copies out for three weeks now. And so hopefully most of you should have those things on how to pray for Central Baptist Church. And uh, if you don't have them, act embarrassed, okay? Just act embarrassed for a little bit, then we'll get over it. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word one more time this day and to be able to look at things that you personally have to say to us, to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to take it in and know exactly your heart, especially as we look at a 2020 vision for revival at Central Baptist Church. We'd ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren. Now, here he's been going through this book of Ephesians, a great book of the Bible. Uh, we got you get in Ephesians chapter 5, and husbands and wives, and he says he's talking about Christ in the church, and then he gets to the parents, uh, and, and the fathers and mothers and so forth, and then he gets on to the servants. And now as he ends this up, he said, Finally, brethren. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, starting out in this next section, he's saying, You, the believer, the Christian, the saved, you be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. Understand, our strength is not in ourselves. The joy of the Lord is our strength. For an example, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Joy by itself is not strength because our joy may be of the things of our emotions or something else. Now, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength, okay? And so we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Never try to attempt the uh, work of God in your own abilities, in your own gifts, even though those abilities and gifts come from God, don't think that you're doing it. Because once you said, look what I can do, is when God says, okay, I'll let you see what you can do. And that's when we fall flat on our face. Now he says here, put on the whole armor of God. And he's going to say it again in this passage. He says it right now. Evidently, to repeat it like this, it must be important to God. And he's preparing us for spiritual warfare. Uh, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, you may be smarter than the average person. You may be wiser than the average person, more perceptive than the average person. And that's fine. But you cannot match wits against the devil. None of us can. And, and Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift thee. 
In other words, he's saying, you can't stand against me. You need me. He would need the power of the Lord. Of course, Peter failed because he says, look, I'll, if I die for you, I'll, I'll go, I'll stand for you. I won't allow these things to happen. That night he denies them three times. You can't stand in your own power, in your own might. You've got to put on the armor of God. Putting on armor says we're getting ready for a warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. But nonetheless, it is a warfare. And verse 12 really puts this out. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What is interesting about this verse is presenting Satan as an army. Okay? He has principalities. The principalities were... uh, Angels of Satan, Satan's angels, that worked in relationship to countries, to kingdoms. For an example, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel begins to pray and he fasts for all those days. And then after those 21 days are up, the angel comes to him and it's a principality. And he says, we heard you from the first. God heard you from the first and sent me. But one of Satan's angels There was a battle going on, and he had to fight that battle before he could get to Daniel. That's why we persevere in prayer, by the way. Persevere in prayer. Daniel persevered in prayer, fasted those 21 days as he was waiting for God to work in him and through him. So again, there's principalities. Then there's powers. Now, what I want you to see about powers, just a little bit different than uh, the next group, which will be... Uh, about the, the, those of the darkness, the, the, the rulers of the darkness. The powers are probably more of the deceptive group. Now, this is part of Satan's army. It's well organized, very well organized. I mean, we should be as organized as they are, and we can be if we'll just follow the word and walk according to the Lord's word. But they, these are powers that work in things. For an example, uh, it may be fear. Uh, Brother Josh was talking a little while ago, some just fear to go out and knock on a door. It may be fear to keep you from being a witness. It might be just plain old laziness. It might be procrastination. Well, I, you know, I really intend to do this, but I don't want to do it right now. And, and so sometimes it's procrastination. Other times it's just plain old excuses. And, and on we could go about the various things. Uh, you know, the Lord is very clear. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is a matter of some. is when the church is meeting together, you ought to be there. Do you realize that was written when they were meeting for hours at a time? And they were meeting every day. You know, we meet here at Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday evening service. And we say, oh man, boy, we put it in full day and we come in here on Wednesday. People in that day would have laughed at us. Okay. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a good warm up, but what about the real thing? You see, from the law, it said to remember the Lord's day and to keep it holy. And they realized the Lord's day now for them was on Sunday. The Sabbath was, was it. Now today it's the Lord's day is on Sunday for us. 
And we're celebrating the resurrection. Do you realize that every time we're in God's house, we're celebrating the resurrection of the Lord on each Sunday? Because he rose up on the first day of the week. It's the Lord's day. Now, we can make excuses that are acceptable to ourselves. Because Satan's powers has the ability to make you, if you're wanting to do those things, to accept it. But to do that, you've got to quench the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. And thereby, you limit access for the Spirit of God that's dwelling in you to use you in the power in which he wants to use you. And so there's powers. Then there are the rulers of the darkness of this world. We mentioned this morning some things like, for example, pornography. uh, The other things that go on in this world. It's a wicked world Things such as the genocide of of babies, abortion. I mean, we can just go on the various things that that are going on in this world today that are just evil. I mean, the darkness of this world is just evil. The things that are on TV, I mean, uh, we grew up, we watched Andy and Barney on, on, on TV, you know. Barney got risque. He was dating Thelma Lou, and he'd call Juanita on the telephone, okay? And that's about as risque as it got. You know, they didn't even cuss on television. They didn't even cuss. And now you have programs on television that are supposed to be good family viewing, and they're living in adultery. And is that right? No, it's not. And so the... Rulers of the darkness of this world have been quite successful in ingraining that darkness in the hearts of even the church, the folks of the church, let alone the world itself. It's out there. And then spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan will one day be battling against Michael and his forces, and they'll be cast out, according to Revelation chapter 12. That's spiritual wickedness in high places. What happens? Well, Revelation 12 tells us that the devil accuses us before God night and day. And you know what? I don't think he has to search for false accusation. The fact is, he accuses us, and our Savior, who is our intercessor, who is also our lawyer, so to speak, stands up for us and says, paid. Yes, he did that, but it's paid. Now he's free as if he had not done that. It's all been paid for. So what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that Satan accuses us night and day. The time that a Christian acts most like a uh, Satan is when he's accusing others. And he hasn't even gone to the others he's accusing. The time a Christian acts the most like Satan is when they start uh, hearing the things about this going on, that's going on, and they talk about it without really knowing the facts. Or they said it and they wouldn't have said, well, it's on the internet. You know, uh, I wonder about some of those things that have been on the internet now that have been proven false. Why don't they just keep bringing that up? You know, the thing is to say, is it on, in the Word of God? If it's in the Word of God, then you can trust it. 
it will never, 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 never be wrong. Okay, so again, uh, the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, to show you the what this is, and I've saved this to the last part of this verse instead of the first part, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not your enemies. Even if they seem to oppose you, understand one of those four levels of, of devils of his army are at work in your life. That's why you put on the whole armor of God is because we're going to need that for the fight. And so they're at work and says, we wrestle not. That's an interesting term that it used because, you know, you think of wrestling and and. Listen, I don't watch wrestling on television or anything else. I remember about 30 years ago seeing it, and those guys would come out like this. You know, and you, and I, you know, you just think, if I was getting in a fight, I would not be doing that, okay? But um, and that wrestling match had happened that day. The way they would get a guy down is they'd just try to work their head under his neck and drive him into the ground till he... Passed out. He might have even expired in some of those things. And one of the results of losing was to have your eye poked out. So when he says we wrestle, the people in that day understood that. Well, this is what he, we're saying. We're battling against a guy that's trying to poke out our spiritual eyesight to see the holiness of God. He's trying to... Uh, Destroy the power that we have with God. That's what is going on in this spiritual battle that we have day after day after day. So he's told us to be strong. He's told us to put on the whole armor of the God. And then in the verse 13, he comes back and he says, Wherefore, as we said, therefore, do this as you're going along the way. Wherefore, do it now. Do it now. Wherefore, right now. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. All right. You take your stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Troubles come. I've seen more people quit when they said, man, you know what? I'm going to get involved and I'm going to, I'm going to work in that music or I'm going to work in this Sunday school class or I'm going to work with the teens or I'm going to work on a bus route or they're going to do this, do that and people start complaining and saying things and they quit. One of the easiest things of gossip and things like that, they, they can't withstand. So having done all the stand, you take a stand. You know God's called you. You take that stand. Then understand you've got to withstand because Satan is going to attack back. Satan, just because you stand, is not going to back off. Oh, I don't want to mess with him. No, he's going to attack you. Just think about that. Elijah, boy, has those 400 prophets of Baal around him. And and they build those altars. And boy, they're great altars. And those guys are cutting themselves, doing everything, falling all over those altars. and Nothing happens. And then he says, okay, now keep on bringing more water and more water and more water. Make sure you drench mine. And then he prays and calls down fire from heaven and it takes it up and then he has all those guys killed. Oh, that guy's got power with God and he did. And then a little lady says, well, you know what? Uh, if your head's still on you tomorrow about this time, you're going to be fortunate because I'm going to take your head off. 
And he takes off and he runs for it. You see, it was a great glory to have that power and to see God do that work. But Satan will come right in as soon as that work is over and try to bring you down. He will try to bring you down. How many places where we've seen great ministries of God that God raised, I believe God raised them up, and now they're not there any longer. They're just not there any longer. Why is that? It's because we let our guard down. We start taking off the armor. Well, we won that battle. I don't have to wear this armor any longer. Yes, you do. This is a lifetime battle. This is an ongoing war. Take on to you the whole armor of God uh, that you might be able to withstand having done all to stand. That is a must. You ever see uh, preachers that go from church to church every two years? What's the problem? And you know, you know, I've heard them preach. They're good preachers. They haven't learned to withstand. They come under attack and they just go. They come under more attack and they go to another place. The attacks are going to come. And when you leave and it's not God's will to leave as a pastor, you're not only affecting your own relationship with the Lord, but you're affecting others that were looking up to you as the leader that God had provided in their life. Now, he has said, take unto you the whole armor. Second time that he's said this, and we're going to verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt with the truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. That was the words of Jesus Christ, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. And in his word, there is absolutely no error whatever. None whatever. Well, we've lost some over the years. You know, uh, we believe that God breathed out and the originals have the truth, but we've lost some. And it's like, well, you know, God had the ability to breathe out his word to these people, but God lacks the ability. Satan's power is just so much greater that he can keep that word from being preserved. Even though God said that he'd preserve his word from this generation, generations are on earth forever, and he has another verse saying it's preserved in heaven as well. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Okay, it's preserved there. And if that's the only thing we had in the Bible about preservation, then I would say, okay, we have lost some of it, perhaps. But he says, heaven and earth would pass away before even one jot or tittle of the law would pass away. Anything of it. We have the word of God. It's preserved. Now, you have a lot of different uh, kind of uh, people coming up with their versions and so forth, and they've created a whole new set of manuscripts. But it's not the word of God. It imitates the Word of God, but it is not the Word of God. We have the Word of God. You say, we mean everybody in the world has to have a King James? Uh, No. I mean, if you're in Spain, you need something translated from the Masoretic text into Texas Receptus in that language. I've heard some people, I mean, they've got doctorates, earned doctorates after names. Some of them, two and three of them say, ha, 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 ha. Those people think the, the apostles read the King James Version. <laughs> idiots. What idiots. You see, 
We say King James Version because it's translated from the right manuscripts. That's the only version that does it. In Spain, I mean, there's a battle going on in in the Spanish uh, things about the, there were two different versions out there. Which one was the truest? Uh, Brother Dan Olashay, worldview, working on his doctorate now. One of the things is using the Texas Receptus in the Masoretic text. Okay? So, again... That's what we use, whether it's the different languages. It's the text that counts. It's the text, and he's preserved it for us. Okay? He has preserved the word of God. I will not call God an out-and-out liar, because he'd be that if he can't preserve it, like he said he would. So he says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, that is the word of God, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, a breastplate was something they wore for protection. I mean, they might shoot arrows, they might shoot, uh, have a sword or something, like that, and it was protection. Protection of the body. I mean, my goodness. Uh, that's where you might get hit and get hurt. So they had that for protection. But what is righteousness? Deuteronomy 6.25. Tells us that, or that righteousness is to obey his commandments. It's to obey the word of God. That's, his, that's righteousness. Whether it's written in the Old Testament or the New Testament, wherever it's written, you obey what God commands us to do. That is righteousness. And that stands as a shield of faith to protect you in your Christian life because the devil, as we see with this army that he has, is going to attack. Now, let's move on. He says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? Well, Romans chapter 5 tells us that it is the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to save our sins, the gospel of peace. Well, we're to take it to the world. Go ye. That's all of us. Go ye. Tell others. Give out the gospel. We, we had the funeral here yesterday for, for uh, Link Absher. Uh, don't you know that it's, a, it, it's more of a comfort to the family to know we'll see you later than saying goodbye to them? Isn't it a comfort? Now, look, I want to live the best I can for the Lord and be something that, as the Apostle Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. Well, I want to follow Christ that others can follow me. So that when they have a service for me, I mean, I, people say, do you think a lot of people come? Well, there will be quite a few who come just to make sure I'm dead. And, and, but, you know, you say, what about it? I want there not to be any doubt in their mind that that guy's with Christ. I want to be a peace and a comfort and a help to them. And so, he says there, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking on the shield of faith. Now, we told you, doctrine, people have doctrine, but they don't have faith. They have doctrine. Doctrine is a statement. Is stating what it means. 
God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. So that is, that is something that is doctrine. Faith says, he's all-powerful, so I can, I can stand for him. What he's called me to do, I can do because he's all-powerful. Therefore, I've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? Because he is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows what's going to hit before it gets here. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. He knows what is going to happen uh, one billion years from now in eternity as to what he knew when he created the heaven and the earth. Knows it just much. There's nothing new to him. I've heard several that say, I don't know who it originated with. I think the first time I heard it was out of South Carolina there and... uh, the preacher there, his name escapes me for the moment, but he says, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Does that make sense? Nothing has ever occurred to God. He's always known. But he also knows my heart. You know, people will guess, well, that's what he said, but that's not what he means. Or, yeah, they're being nice to you but so they can just cut you down behind your back. They're doing this to, look, you don't know a person's heart, but God does. My greater concern has to be about what God knows about me and then what men know about me. That is a much greater concern. So again, the shield of faith, the word of God again, and you live by it. Faith is living by the word of God. And he says, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but Satan's armies there, they use flesh and blood to try to attack you. And the way we stand against that is with the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. We, we go with those things and God is our protection. And he says that it would even quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You live by the word of God, people that are in church that name the name of Christ may attack you for your stands and for your holiness and standards for righteousness. That's fine. Those darts can be quenched if we'll walk with the Lord. Walk with God. So he says, next in verse 17, and take uh, the helmet of salvation. Well, the helmet protected the head. It protected the head. So the helmet of salvation, the head, the brain, where we think, what we know, know that you're saved. How can I tell others how to be saved if I'm not sure I'm saved? Know that you're saved. Have the helmet of salvation. And because you know the gospel, take it to others. You know it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. Therefore, uh, go forward with it. Because that helmet also is there. And your mouth is there where the head is. And it's to speak that gospel. And so, take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isn't it interesting? Various things here are taking us back to the Word of God. Now, he's telling us the sword is, the sword of the Holy Spirit is the Word of God. 
Look, if you rightly divide the word of God and it protects you, if you rightly divide the word of God, it defends you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. They may say, well, he's just using the word of God to defend himself. If he's rightly dividing it, you're standing on it rightly, it doesn't matter. The enemy doesn't like it, but God does. And he says, that's our sword. So use God's word, it's a sword. Remember the gates of hell shall not prevail when Jesus was talking about the the church to his apostles. Upon this rock, the rock being the great big boat of the Lord Jesus Christ, upon this rock I will build my church. Speaking of local churches, by the way. He would build the saved upon this rock. And then he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We build on Jesus Christ, we use the sword of the Spirit, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. That tells us we're to be on the offense. Uh, you know, I know, I know Samson took the gates off the city and walked up a hill and set them down, but I don't see him fighting anybody with them. He just removed what was their defense. Gates are for defense, swords are for offense. We've got the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, let's use it. Use it. But to use it, you've got to be acquainted with the sword. Remember David was going to fight the giant? He was acquainted with rocks and a sling, but he wasn't acquainted with the armor of Saul. You can't use what you're acquainted, not acquainted with. Be acquainted with the Word of God. So be in the Word of God. Use it. Just don't study it. Use it. Read it to obey. Read it to know the mind of God. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching there until with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He said, okay, you get in the battle, <laughs> you continue that battle with prayer. I mean, don't armies have their little... Uh, communication devices and everything. They go back and forth. Let's communicate with general command. Let's find out the marching orders. Let's keep going that way. Walk according to the word of God. And therefore, you pray and you pray some more and you make supplication in the spirit, but also for other saints, for all. Because all of us have an old nature and we're all with a tendency to give in to the old nature. That's why we need the word and we need prayer constantly. And he said, with all perseverance, in other words, don't quit. Don't let the fight make you quit. You get knocked down, get back up again. A righteous man falling seven times gets back up again. And then he says, after this instruction, now understand the Holy Ghost of God has breathed every word that has been written here to the Apostle Paul to send to the church at Ephesus. And he said how to fight and how to pray for each other and how to stand against the devil. But now, here's this Apostle Paul. I mean, there are a lot of people who say, Paul was the greatest preacher of all time. Paul was the greatest apostle of all the apostles. Paul was the greatest of all. I don't know if he was or not. What we measure and what God measures are two different things. 
But after all of that, the Holy Spirit opened up the door and said, okay, now tell them what's on your heart. And you need to tell them this. And the apostle says, and for me. You see, the apostle needed everything that is up here. He needed it too. And he says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me. Utterance is that power that when we preach or teach, it does not allow anyone to be indifferent to the word of God. That's what utterance is. And so he says, that utterance may be given unto me, and that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's our goal. That's what he's kept us here for. I mean, just think, you get saved, you're cleansed of sin. Okay, the moment I get saved, Lord, take me straight up to heaven. I don't want to sin again. Well, no, I'll sin over and over, so will you. And so he doesn't do that. He keeps us here to take the gospel to others. You are my witnesses. It's a thing that we don't like doing, and yet it's one of the highest calls that God trusts us with. It's, it's God's love for us to do that. To be able to take this great news to a lost and dying world. Even though they may not want it, it's great. I mean, have you ever taken about a four or five year old kid and said, Hey, come on in. We're going to take you to the doctor and he's going to take this great big needle and he's going to shoot it in your arm. Boy, that's wonderful. Well, no, no kid wants to hear that. (laughs) Some adults don't want to hear that. But what I'm saying is, is this. Whether they want or not, that shot may be the best thing for them. At that moment, it's what they need. And this world needs Jesus Christ. But the shot they're going to feel strongly is against their old nature. Their sin. But it can heal the sin-sick soul. And that's the great thing about it. And he says, utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. Boy, you wouldn't think of the Apostle Paul's not being a bold person. But there's several times in scriptures where he's asked for boldness. Even the Lord had to tell him at Corinth, now you bide here and don't worry, they're not going to do anything to you. I mean, the guy's been beaten five times with a whip, three times with rods, and had all these stonings and all that other stuff, I think he's beginning to get a little bit concerned about it, don't you? And the Lord had to encourage him. No, he's told to stand uh, boldly. He wants to speak boldly, open his mouth boldly. Why? To make known the mystery of the gospel of Christ. Now, you don't have out there given to you because we've handed that out but our prayer sheet, spiritual, spiritual, personal, and physical things. We need to pray for that each and every day. But let me close this up by saying this. And I'm not going to go over those things. We've gone over them. And it doesn't do any good to go over them if you're not going to pray. The commitment has to be prayer. And read those things. What do they mean? We've just looked at scriptures. We've read the scriptures, but we... Try to give you the idea of what it means. You see, you can have some very awesome gifts. You may have a gift in administration. You may have a gift in speaking. 
You may have a gift as a music as far as singing or using an instrument of some kind. You may have a gift to teach. A gift to preach. To exhort, to encourage. You may be a person that God has given you a gift of art. Maybe you have that gift of friendliness that you can just go up and meet anybody. Maybe you're one of those that has the gifts of helps where you just see somebody has a need and you don't try to figure out, you just know what to go in and do. I've seen those people. And, and, and there's, we go on about the various gifts that are out there that people have. And the measure and the quality of those gifts may differ from person to person. One may be a better singer than another. Another is a better preacher than another. Look, we've got, some good, we've got some good men in this church that when I hear them preach, I sit down and say, Lord, why in the world do you have me as the pastor here? Those guys are good. And, and then we have an evangelist come through and I says, oh, man, this is great. The Lord is blessing and I'm enjoying these messages. But, the, you know, you get to think in the back of your mind. When he leaves, they've got to face me. Now, you say, well, you shouldn't think that way. Well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. What I'm just telling you, it's not me. It's obeying what God would tell me to do and do it. It's to preach what God had me to preach and preach it. And so, you can have that gift. They differ from person to person in their intensity as well as in their abilities. But passion, pride of completeness, sometimes is lacking. The love for God. The idea of doing the work completely and rightly. You know, there are those that want to do the work just enough to get by. I've had people say, because they knew I'd, I used to always say, last minute will look last minute. And, and people say, well, I can make last minute look good. And they thought they could. <laughs> uh, they thought. Uh, but nonetheless, that was the problem. But this is God's work. So you give your all. You give your all. And so we want to have that complete passion that's acceptable. We want to have that time that is an ongoing time of life. In Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And I shared this with our administrators uh, this week. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That is with your life. I mean, the heart stops, your life stops, okay? So, you're with all your heart. You're to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That's your passion, your feelings, your desire, with all thy soul. And with all thy might. That's why you have the word of God. And so with all thy mind, you're thinking on God's word. With all your mind, you're studying God's word. And in all your mind, you're figuring out what does God want me to do. And you ask God. And you seek him in it. And with all thy strength, you're giving your all and all effort. And then he says, this is the first commandment. And you say, well, that couldn't be the first commandment because I read the Ten Commandments and that's, that's not the first commandment. 
No, what he means by first is the most important of all commandments to God. I used to do this in witnessing. I haven't done it quite as much anymore, but I used to do this in witnessing when I'd be witnessing somebody that says, well, I don't feel like I'm that bad. And I would say something to him like this. If God said something was the most important commandment to him, of all commandments that he's given in the Bible, if he said more important than any other commandment, this is the most important to me. And you broke that commandment. Do you think that would be the greatest sin? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we probably deserve hell for that. Then at least if we broke what was the most important to the Lord, we definitely would. Okay, he said to love him with all your heart. Uh Uh-oh. Your soul, your mind, your strength. We all fail. See, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. And I'm glad it's that way. I didn't earn it. He says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. There's none other commandments greater than these. Boy, how important is that? Love God with your all and then to love the brethren. Love the brethren. Now look, I know that love is uh, sometimes given a different idea than what the Bible does. I mean, if you fathers, you got a little three-year-old, he's watched you shave. And all of a sudden you walk in by the bathroom, you look in there and he's got a razor out getting ready to go. You know, my brother Jim, if he's watching us, he can't do anything about it anyway. He's 80. Okay. But he watched my dad shave, and so he wanted to do the same thing. And he got that lather up there and went down like that. Problem is, he had his tongue out. He went, uh-huh, cut his tongue. And in his case, that was a good thing. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is this. Is that sometimes we'd say, you'd see I got the, the razor. You'd say, put that down right now. Well, that's not very loving to say that. Well, you're trying to save his life. You're trying to save him from hurting himself. You have a child playing out in the front yard, and all of a sudden they start to run towards the street. Get back here right now. I'm going to spank you. If you go out in that road, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know? And, and, and you're doing that because you love them. It scares you, but you love them is the reason you do it. That's the neighbor's kid. Let them go. You know, you don't do that, but nonetheless, you have a love. You have that love there that you want that to happen. And when your heart, when this is true in your heart, and you're taking on the whole armor of God, your fulfillment is in what it does for others rather than what it affords you and exalting yourself. Now, without these things, there's no revival. I've told several lately. I'm getting, I don't know if it's time to get tired of it. But you have a revival meeting, and you, I, I remember being one where we had over 140 salvation decisions. Last time when Brother Titus was here, we had 20 to 30-some salvation decisions, and we saw, I think, three to four baptisms. 
seeing Christians walking down the aisle and they're going to give their all to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then four months later, there's nothing. All they had was a religious emotion. Now, they may have meant it at the time, but decisions that we make for Christ are lifetime decisions. Lifetime decisions. My life is not to be a 40 days of purpose. It's to be a life of purpose for Christ. And it's his purpose, not mine. His purpose for my life. Okay? So, again, I'm saying all that is to say I'm asking you to pray, pray, and give your heart to the Lord in such a way as a Christian. That you've opened it up and you say, Lord, whatever it is, if there's something in my life that needs to be removed, I realize that I may not be able to remove it. I need you to help me. Now, he did say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets us. Let us. Let us. So there are weights in our life. There are sins in our life. I mentioned one of the weights this morning. It may be golf. You may love golfing, and, but you're going out there on a Sunday morning. It's become a weight and a sin then when you ought to be in God's house. It may be social media. There's some people sit in church because of social media today. There are people in church that sit in there and they're texting and they're doing all this other stuff instead of listening to the Word of God. Okay. Now, they may get away with it. They may not get away with it as far as we're concerned. But they're not doing it as far as God is concerned. I'm thankful that we've got the live stream that people can hear that in their homes. I'm thankful we have the radio that people driving in their cars and other areas can hear that. But more importantly, we've got to be careful that we don't use that thing in such a way that occupies so much time. We don't have time to pray for these things. We get so occupied that we're not in church as we ought to be in church. And and there are things to do. Look. We announced we need help in the nursery during revival meeting. We have parking lot duty. Sometimes the same people are doing it once a month when it could be once every three or four months. We've got ushers sometimes to come in here on Wednesday night. And there's about three guys and they're pointing out, hey, help us out. Help us out, you know. And the guys are kind of sinking down in the seat, you know, so they don't get chosen. What's wrong with being an usher? You know, we need more than ushers. Actually, we need greeters at each door that just greet people as they come in and out. We've got a friendly church. I, I've got to compliment you on that. I've had more people tell me that. But uh, let's be friendly, but let's be servants. Bus ministry could use people that will get on a bus route, knock on doors, seek to get boys and girls, and then ride that bus. You say, well, I, you lost me at ride that bus. No, if you can ride on the bus, ride on the bus. Help out. We've got the Monday night prayer time. We've got the ladies' Bible fellowship on Tuesday mornings as well as the men's Bible breakfast Tuesday mornings. There are so many areas to serve the Lord. And when we get complacent with just the fact that I'm sitting in church, you ought to be happy with that. You're still in Gerbersville. You are in spiritual Gerbersville if that's your attitude. If it's an attitude, if it's not convenient, you're in Gerbersville. We're not called according to convenience. We're called according to the call of God. We used to have a draft in this country. And 
a lot of you guys in here face that. I faced it, and I ended up 4F. So I, they, were, they rejected me. I felt kind of offended in that. They reject, during a war, they rejected me. Okay. But now my son, grandson's been in the Army, military. My dad fought in World War II. Brother was in the Navy. Of course, that's not military. Um, but uh, but here, here we are. We get called by our country and we go. We don't say, used to, they'd always start with greetings. It always sends a fear in my heart when uh, Brother Kevin says, let's greet one another, you know. Uh, greetings, you'd get that letter of greetings. And they were calling you to come get the physical and they would draft you if you passed the physical. And so you get that greetings. But that was called the country. You didn't write back and say, well, you know, it's not convenient. I've got some other things going on right now, and I'll get back to you. Uh, You got back to them. They made sure they sent somebody to your house and got you back to them. Okay. So what I'm saying is, is this. We have a choice to serve the Lord out of love. Don't be satisfied with status quo. Don't be satisfied, well, I've got a gift and I do this and I do that. Have the attitude of, Lord, what else? How else can you use me? And do it. Do it. Just do it. And that's having a 2020 vision for revival. A revival is not just an emotional pep rally of the church, but something that changes even the lives of Christians to strengthen them. And to make them from servants on and on until Jesus comes. Let God do that in your life. Let's bow our heads, please.